0: You being here tonight, and also, I, I, uh, if this were not just so important to me, I would, I would not single out the fact that a very, very dear uh, friend of mine, Brother Alexander Stewart, has come all the way from South Carolina, and he has brought with him a local uh, minister, the Tyrone Sherman, who is a minister right here in Atlanta with the church of our Lord Jesus Christ of the apostolic faith. And I am honored that they would join us tonight in celebrating. Could we just clap our hands and thank God for all the fellowship that we are having tonight. Thank you, Elder. Thank you so much for being here. It means the world to me, and I appreciate it. Many years this man's got more degrees than a thermometer, and we're just so thankful that he's been a good friend. And uh, and uh, it's great to have Elder Sherman join us as well. We look forward to some, some good times in fellowship. Now, of course, we know that uh, it's good to have uh, both brother and sister Huntley here tonight. And uh, it's still early. I know that the main thing we've come for tonight, the... The real deal is that we're going to hear uh, the, one of the great preachers of Pentecost talk to us, preach to us. He may be a superintendent. He may be a lot of things, but above all of those things, he is a great preacher. He's now bishop of Temple of Pentecost in Raleigh, and when we left uh years of college teaching and administration some time back uh, we ended up, I guess I could say it that way, we were in (laughs) Raleigh and uh, we were blessed to spend uh, some time at the Temple of Pentecost and uh, during that time as we were finishing up uh, work we were studying in Europe and just trying to get it done and stay alive, and the, the various and sundry things that took place during those years before Georgia, that's when we learned to love Brother and Sister Huntley, not just as a preacher, who is my favorite preacher, and not just a great leader, but a dear friend. Both of them were uh, marvelous, and so let's stand together, shall we? And uh, let's lift our hearts and lift our hands and ask God to bless the Word of God tonight. Come on, one more time, as Brother Huntley comes, God bless him
1: as He comes. Praise God. I love you, my brother. And everybody said, "Praise the Lord. God bless you, may you see it. Well, we're thrilled to be here and celebrate. The Bible is a book of celebrations. Much of the Old Testament was relegated to festivals. And even in the New Testament, if you look at the life of Christ, he was going from one celebration to the next. Jesus was not a dull, boring, humdrum, no-flavored life. He was a celebrator. And it's good to celebrate. The Bible said it's good to give honor unto whom honor is due. And I do appreciate the fact that you've designated a few days to remember and to reflect upon the fact that God has blessed us with great spiritual leadership. No matter what your station in life is or what you would claim to be, all of us are the result of the influence and the impact of good, godly, positive, visionary leadership. And we're thrilled to be here. So, Charlie and I are very happy to, one of the high privileges of our ministries to be invited to come and stand here and preach at such a pivotal moment in history. Now I know that you spoke of uh, surpassing your attendance records continuously since you've been here, and great growth. And I know you must have done something phenomenal in five years, Brother Cole. As I drove to church tonight, I passed Talmadge Road. <laughs> Now, how do you do that in five years? Talmage Road. I told my wife, we need to turn here. It says Talmage Road. Five years, and the man already has a street named after him. That's gaining momentum and recognition qu- quickly. And so I, I'm just glad to know the man and I'm thrilled and I say that in all sincerity because we did have not long enough but a brief time of of being able to minister to this family and they minister to us and know them long enough to know that they are people of impeccable character and character is so vital in this world of deceit and fakery and fraud character is the ultimate qualification for a dynamic ministry one more time would you give a great big applause to your pastor and his wife and you know not everybody brings a ready made uh, ministerial team with them ready made ministerial team I don't know how many salaries you're playing around here but he brings about five with him that bless the cause and the kingdom of God And of course, Sister French is the most phenomenal singer you will ever hear in your life. And I'm trusting that I will get to hear her sing before the weekend is over. And so we're thrilled at what God is doing. God works in mysterious ways and brings about the fulfillment of his purpose, his destiny in ways that are beyond human explanation. And they are here in the will of God. I was thrilled to be a part of their installation. And I'm thrilled to be here tonight to speak at this fifth anniversary. And of course, I want to say how much I love and appreciate Brother and Sister Cole. Legendary, iconic. If you go to the dictionary and look up the word apostolic Christian, you would see Brother and Sister Cole's picture. The picture of consistency, conviction, compassion, and continuation. And we're thrilled to have a moment with them. And I'm so glad that your fall was not fatal. If I had what I needed or what I could do, I told him before we came here tonight, Brother Cole, Sister Cole... I would hire a valet to be with y'all 24-7, take you wherever you want to go, drive for you, bring you your your food. You shouldn't have to get out and go get food. Folks ought to be bringing it (laughs) to you. He said that's what his wife does. (laughs) Well, it's time for her to get a vacation too. (laughs) Wonderful, wonderful people of God. And, of course, many of you know the place that Brother Cole holds in my life. My uncle brought me from the state of North Carolina to Georgia when I was 13 years old. My father was in prison. My mother was raising me and my brother. My uncle was the first apostolic preacher that I'd ever met. And he came to my mother and said, I'd like to take Wayne to a youth camp in Georgia. My mother gave permission. My uncle said, I'll take care of all of his expenses. I'll see that he's well. The second night of that camp, Dole Spears was preaching and God filled me with the Holy Ghost when I was 13 years old. (laughs) Brother Cole helped bring me through to the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Isn't that marvelous? And through the years, I've always been very happy to acknowledge him and to respect him and to appreciate him and his wife. And they've had such an influence in this whole apostolic movement worldwide. And they're, they're legendary and they are iconic. And not just anybody could step in the shadows of that man. But the reason it took him so long to get here, I don't know about this stubbornness stuff. I'm not going to join that thought. You're my friend. You know. I'm not, but God had some things he had to get ready in you to prepare you for this dynamic moment. And what a team they are. And how beautiful, you know, and I'll get to the word quickly here, and I won't preach long tonight, but I'm going to cut it back to two hours. It is an anniversary celebration, so I'm going to be cognizant of the time. I don't think I've ever preached two hours in my life. I did teach two hours one time. I warned our church. It was on Wednesday night, and I said, I said, We're not going to have any courses. I'm going to teach for two hours. And I'll talk from 7.30 to 9.30. That's why I can't talk tonight. (laughs) Those kind of sessions will take you on. But these are marvelous people of God. And we cannot appreciate them, commend them, or celebrate them enough for who they are and what they are. Brother and Sister Cole, we give you honor. And we give honor to the Frenches. Now, Brother Urshan had a thing that he said you said they should have had more children. Brother Ursin always said, if you're putting out a good product, don't go out of business. And I think they did put out a very good product. Give all the French family members a big hand tonight and stand for the reading of the word. I could take a good while to acknowledge my special ministerial friends that are here Over this audience are people that through the years have been great friends of ours. We love the body of Christ. I'll talk more about that in the message. Please allow me just to get quickly to the word because I know that there are other activities on schedule following this service tonight. My voice is exceedingly strained and weakened because it's camp meeting season. And we've been in camp meeting We just finished the uh, Tennessee camp meeting, the Mississippi camp meeting last night and flew from Jackson, Mississippi here to preach today and tomorrow. So my voice will not be as strong as it should be, but I'm very excited to have this opportunity. Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. This weekend, I want to celebrate the church. Everything I will preach will be centered around the exaltation, the appreciation, and the appraisal that we should have of the church. Matthew chapter 16 and 13. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And Jesus' days were no different than ours, and this is why. Some say, some say, some say, so there is a diversity of opinion today just like it was then. And I will say to you apostolic Pentecostals, we should never be more excited to know who God is and to know what his name is. And they said some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, others Jeremiah. And some of them say you're one of the prophets. He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou. Now we will come close to what I'll preach about tonight. Blessed art thou, Simon Bar Jonah, for flesh and blood had not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. I say also unto thee that thou art Peter and then he said upon this rock upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. This is not what I'll preach tonight but I like to throw out Nuggets, so there's the preachers here that need stuff to preach tomorrow Sunday. (laughs) When the Bible said the gates of hell shall not prevail, what that was referencing is we often say we are one generation from completely vanishing from the earth. I want to tell you tonight when the Bible said the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. What he was saying is, it doesn't matter who lives and dies, there will still be a church. We are not one generation from extinction. There will always be until the trumpet sounds a one God, Jesus' name, apostolic, holiness-loving, rapture-ready church. Clap your hands and give God praise right now. I'll preach to you tonight. And I will say this to you before you sit down. Don't go to sleep because it's not going to be what you think. You know, if they figure out what the preacher is going to preach, they go off into la-la land. I don't think you really understand what I'll be preaching. At least I hope you don't because if you do, we might as well go eat. If I can't tell you something that you maybe not have seen, then we might as well go get us a chicken leg. I want to preach to you on the foundation of the New Testament church. Everybody shout, I love the church, I love my church, and you may be seated. What a grand occasion it is tonight to celebrate this marvelous time of accomplishment. I want to talk to you about the passion, the purpose, and the power of the church. We are in, in my estimation, an unprecedented hour when the church as a body is under attack. The local church is under an attack. It's amazing how many people feel they can be saved and not even go to church. Or they can stay home and eat their cereal in their pajamas and watch their favorite preacher on television. The Bible still says to forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. And it says so much the more. I'm preaching to you. We don't need less church. We need more church. Because a good doctor can keep you out of the hospital. A good lawyer can keep you out of jail. But a good church can keep you out of hell. I want everybody here to know we need to thank God for our church. The church is the building of God. It's the bride and the body of Christ. There is nothing like a great church. We're prone to appreciate our leadership. We're prone to appreciate the Lord Jesus. But every once in a while, you need to thank God for the people that worship across the aisle from you. You need to thank God for your brothers and your sisters that make up the body of Christ. How many of you know you've been blessed by the church? There's been many a time that we've come to church and somebody's testimony Or somebody's choir song. Or someone just shaking a hand, ministering to you personally as you left the building. Made all the difference in the world in your spiritual existence. I think we need to realize tonight that we can get at church what we cannot get anywhere else. You can't get this in the courthouse. You can't get this in the white house. You can't get this in the schoolhouse. There's mercy here, there's blood here, there's forgiveness here, there's grace here, there's power here. There's nothing like the church. So for years I was narrow in my interpretation of what the foundation of the church was. Perhaps as many of you, and I hope tonight, to enlarge your opinion about what this church is built upon. I'd often thought it was simply the revelation of the mighty God in Christ. And that's what the majority, I mean, we've got the one God doctor right here. Uh, There he is. That's the, he didn't invent the doctrine, but he he knows it better than anybody I know. So do you think I'm going to come over here and preach on the oneness of God? You're not. So I want you to know I'm not preaching about the oneness of God tonight. However, you're not going to be happy with me if I don't say something about the oneness of God. So I'm going to say this. It is true that the big bad wolf may huff and puff but this house will not fall because it's not built on the straw of religious organization or the sticks of human ingenuity nor is it built on the fairy tale of the fictitious trinity but it is built upon the fact that the Jehovah of the old and the Jesus of the new are one and the same. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Turn around to somebody and say, Jesus Christ is not Jehovah Junior. But he is the mighty God, the everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. And when we know that, hell trembles, and devils run, and diseases depart, because there's nothing greater than knowing that. Now that's all I know about the One. the foundation of the New Testament church is not only the power of revelation, but I've come recently to understand it's the power of transformation. Because in Matthew 16 and 17, Jesus said, you are Simon. But in 18, he said, you're Peter. And then he said, Upon this rock, I will build my church. What Jesus was telling us is this. The word Simon means weak one. The word Peter means strong or like a rock. What the Lord was saying is, I'm going to build my church on my power to change life. You can't shake a hand and get into this church. You can't be voted in by the membership. You got to be born again of water and spirit and you will become a new creature in Christ Jesus. The foundation of the New Testament church is God's power to change lives. Now I'm going to meddle just a minute and I'll get back to preaching The foundation of the church is not just church hopping or pastor swapping. It is not church swapping, switching, and swelling. True church growth is convicting, converting, and committing. The Bible said he's going to count those, but the ones that you're going to count are those that are born in Zion. Woo! I'm telling you, a crowd can move here from somewhere else and you haven't grown. You've only swollen. But when they repent of their sins, get baptized in Jesus' name, and get full of the Holy Ghost, that is church growth. And that's what this church is built upon. Let me tell you, it, it can have a steeple that pokes holes in the atmosphere. It can have carpet six inches deep. Padded pews that will lull you to sleep. And a choir that will sing heaven's anthems. But if people are not being changed, it's a moose lodge. It's not a church. How many know you were changed when you came through the doors of that church? Saul becomes Paul. Simon becomes Peter. Zacchaeus the collector becomes Zacchaeus the contributor. The illicit woman at the well of Samaria becomes the evangelist of the living water. Changed, changed, changed. Now, indulge me a joke of illustration. My wife is here tonight, and she doesn't enjoy me preaching as a comedian. She says, Leave the jokes to the comedians. You preach the word. And so I don't usually tell a lot of jokes when she's around. (laughs) Can I tell one (laughs) joke? The story is told about this old country gentleman and his boys. They'd never been to New York City. He had his bib overalls on, the boys had their bib overalls, their boots, and their straw hats. They were in New York City about like I was when I went there. They were in one of these high rise fancy hotels, and they were standing in the foyer of the hotel. And all of a sudden, this door opened, and this woman of seniority, I'm gonna be kind here tonight, this woman of age, this woman of seniority, the woman who wore the looks of years, stepped into this elevator, and the door closed, and she disappeared. And in just a few seconds, the door opened again. And this beautiful, lovely, unbelievable, model-looking woman stepped out. And these guys had never seen an elevator in their life. And Paul said to the boys, I don't know what that thing is, boys, but go get your mama. (laughs) I don't know what kind of machine that is. But go get your mama right now. I want to talk about a door you can walk through that the Bible said he would beautify the meek with salvation. There's a song our choirs are singing. We sing it in Raleigh. Sing it everywhere. You probably sing it here. If you don't, you need to. There's none too dirty that he can't make worthy. Oh, the beautiful part of this church is it can wash you up. It can clean your conscience. It can clean your heart. It can clean your mind. Clap your hands and shout, there's nothing like the church. In Mark 4.35, Jesus said, let us pass over. The New King James Version reads, let us cross over. I want to remind you tonight that in life there are some things you cannot ever just pass over. The only way you can get over is to cross over. Jesus said let us cross over. The cross can get you over your addictions. The cross can get you over your victimization. The cross can get you over the pain of your condemnation. I don't think we shout enough. Some folks are trying to dumb us down. We don't need to be dumbed down. We need to be turned loose and wound up. And some of you ought to be running these aisles tonight, not because of what you got when you got saved, but what you got rid of when you got saved. It ain't what I picked up, it's what I laid down. Woo! There's a new man walking in my shoes. My guilt is gone. My condemnation is gone. My bitter past is gone. Turn around, somebody shout, I ain't what I used to be. But I got better news for you than that. I ain't about to be. I ain't yet what I'm going to be. In 2 Kings chapter 6 and verse 6, the Bible says the prophet and those from the school of the prophets went into a building program. And you know, building programs are treacherous. They're dangerous. They're, they're filled with stress. As a matter of fact, Noah built the ark for 120 years and there was only eight souls saved. And if you're in a building program for 120 years, you probably won't save but eight yourself. (laughs) And the Bible said as they were felling a tree, an axe head came off of the handle of one of the axes that was being used. You ever heard that of flying off the handle? Boy, he's always flying off the handle. Well, you you fly off the handle much, you're going to lose your head. The axe head came off and it fell into a body of water. Now let me pause to preach to the church just a little bit here and we'll move quickly on. The reason that axe head was lost is because it became loose. Before you get lost, you get loose. And that's why we come to church to get tightened back up. We need to take some inventory and tighten up on our prayer life. Tighten up on our Bible reading. Tighten up on our worship. Tighten up on our attendance. Because if you don't tighten it up, it'll get loose and then it'll get lost. And he said, alas, master, it was borrowed, and it has fallen into the water. It was made of iron. And so naturally, the iron is heavier than the water. And so it plummeted to the very lowest depth of the muck and the mire of the pool of water. And the scripture said, the prophet asked him, where fell it? And he said, well, it was about, it was about, can I use your Cain, this is not wood, but it'll work. He said, where fell it? He said, well, it was right over there. And so he cut a piece of wood off of the tree. And he threw it into the water approximately where the axe head had sunk. Now, I'm going to see how much you really believe the Bible. The Bible said when that piece of wood came near to the proximity of where the axe head was lost. The scripture said and the iron did swim. Read Second Kings chapter 6. The Bible said it began to swim. Now we're in a hurry tonight so I won't just Wear out the point. The point is this. When the wood of the cross comes into the proximity of your life, the nature of iron was changed. Iron would go to the bottom. Iron would sink to the lowest point. But when the wood of the cross came near it, its whole nature was changed. And instead of being something that would sink, it became something that would swell. You see what I'm talking about? It's our nature to sink. We're born in sin. Our human nature will take you to the bottom. But when the power of the cross comes in touch with your life, you'll become a swimmer and not a sinker. Now, I would have loved to have some of that technology that we have today, all these cameras that can take a picture underwater, you know, and uh, can show what's going on underwater. I would have loved to have been there and watched what happened when that piece of iron, that axe head. Mm. <laughs> can we have an imagination here tonight? Can you see that axe head? Mmm. That exit started quivering, shimmering. Mud started flying up, and suddenly, off of the bottom, yeah. that exit started rising. Can't you see that old catfish when he came by? Can't you see that old cart when he comes swelling up? The- Where are you going? I don't know, but something's got a hold of me, and it's bringing me out of here. It's bringing me out of here. You remember when the cross brought you out of the bar? When it brought you out of the drug addicted state? When it brought you out of false doctrine? Yeah. Woo! Yeah. The very nature was changed. And it began to swim. That's the picture of what happens when the power of the cross comes near you. Your nature has changed. You might have been a bottom dweller before you came to this church. I noticed over and over in the New Testament when they got miracles, the Bible said simply, and they arose and followed him. Every time Jesus touches your life, you're gonna rise. The church is gonna elevate you. The church is gonna lift you. The church is gonna raise you up. Remember when we used to sing it, I was seeking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, seeking to rise no more, but love, love lifted Me, Can I get a witness here tonight? The church loved you when you were unlovable. The church loved you when you didn't love yourself. Thank you, Brother Cole. The church loved me when I was a 13-year-old, nobody and nothing. And when you prayed me through, I know it didn't cross your mind. Surely didn't mind. That one day I would preach for you. Right. <laughs> and that one day I would preach Dole Spears' funeral. When the cross touches you, everything's changed. You start coming up. You start coming up. Don't sit back there tonight and say, well, if I wasn't in the church, I'd be this, I'd be that, I'd be other." Let me tell you, if you wasn't in the church, you'd be on your way to hell. You'd be a nothing and a nobody. The church ain't never done you nothing but good. The church ain't never done you nothing but good. I said the church ain't never done us nothing but good. Clap your hands and shout yes if you believe it. It brought us from darkness to light, from bondage to freedom, from guilt to pardon, from emptiness to fullness, from chaos to peace. Clap your hands and thank God for the church. So as we celebrate our anniversary and the purpose of the church, let's refocus. People will dance here, but this is not a dance hall. People will shout and scream here, but this is not a stadium. People will socialize and fellowship here, but this is not a fellowship hall. People will play music here, but this is not a music hall. And there's really about only one verse of Scripture, doctor, that separates us from the church of Christ. You know, there's a, there's a group called the church of Christ who believe in no music in their church whatsoever. Would that be born Pentecost? And I'm going to tell you, we really don't have any right to play musical instruments in church. Stay with me now. All this is out of order if you're just playing it. If you're just playing those drums, they don't belong on this platform. If you're just playing that guitar, it has no biblical right on this platform If you're just playing this keyboard, you have no right to do that. The Bible gives you no right just to play it. But the Bible said to praise him with it. And the day you stop praising him with it, we're going to take it out. Because it's not here to display human talent. It's here to give praise and glory and honor to God. So all that goes on around the church. So I want to set the record straight here. The main thing is the main thing. And we need to keep the main thing the main thing. And the main thing is, this is a soul-saving station. If people are not getting saved and they're not getting changed, turn the lights off. Because that's what this is really all about. Now, I want to be really pertinent to the moment we live in, and I want you to help me preach here, and this will be my final point. Let's have displayed, if we could, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 9, and we will go through verse 11. Now, here's what I want you to do. Before I read these verses, let me go and just let let the cat out of the bag. We are seeing publicized, promoted, and presented, and in many times, pushed down our throats. Illicit immoral perversion such as we've never seen in history. but if we as Pentecostals and apostolics don't understand what I'm about to preach about, we're going to miss the last day revival. And I'm sensing as I travel that it's already taking hold on some people. We are not to resent or hate sinners. Everybody has a right to come to church it doesn't matter what they look like doesn't matter how they're dressed because the true motto of the church should be this come as you are but leave as he is we don't care how you come What we really care about is how you leave. So there's a lot of resentment out there, bitterness and folks getting mad and ugly. Do I need to remind you that Jesus died for sinners? He didn't die for a Holy Ghost church. He didn't die for pure people. He didn't die for saints of God. But he commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners... He didn't die for you that lived such a marvelous, beautiful life of holiness and all of that. No, he died for sinners. The church must never lose the fact that we're never more beautiful and biblical than when our pews are full of sinners. So I'll make my final point. I'll read it. It says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall... Not inherit the kingdom of God. I want you, musicians, to come and get ready. Would you make an ugly face and say, Get them, God? The unrighteous are not going to inherit the kingdom of God. Ready? Get them, Come on, you're not participating. Come on. Get him, God. All right? Be not deceived, neither fornicated. Get them, God. Get him, God. Get him, God. Idolaters. Get him, God. Adultery. Ephemin abusers of themselves of mankind Thieves covetous drunkards revilers extortioners shall not inherit the kingdom of God notice and such were of you we must never lose the fact that we're only here by the grace and the mercy the forgiveness and the love of God and as God loved us so we must love them stand and clap your hands and thank God for the church The foundation of the New Testament church is not just doctrinal. It's experiential. It's not just revelation. It's transformation. This church is built on the fact that God can take sinners and make them saints. That God can take hands that once held liquor bottles And make them carry Bibles. That God can take hearts that once were vile and filthy and dirty, cleanse them and purify them, fill them with the love of God. I know that we say a lot of times, what the church really needs now, what we really need today, I'm going to shock you with this maybe, but if there's one thing that I could ask God to add to the Temple of Pentecost, if there's one main thing I'd love to see in our church, it would be the love of God. I'd like to see our church so filled with the love of God that no sinners could walk in here without crying, that nobody that's lost could stand in our church without coming to an altar. I'd like to see our church so filled with the love of God that it would melt every resistant, rebellion, Christ-rejecting person's heart. That the love of God would just draw them. Don't ever forget. And such were some of you. Turn around to somebody and shake their hand and say, Love lifted me.
2: Could we just lift up our hands for a moment and could we ask the love of the Lord to just sweep across our hearts all over this sanctuary? If you feel to maybe just step out from where you are and just seek the Lord for a moment. Could we do that? Just find a place. And say, Lord, I want Your love to fill my heart. Oh, apostolic Tabernacle, could we come? And could we ask the Lord to just give us a loving heart right now and, and receive the Word of the Lord? And I
3: still believe Your blood. Is
2: we don't all know each other here tonight and some of us are unfamiliar and we have visitors and things of that nature but i wonder i feel like we need to do this i want you to step over and just pray for somebody real quick just get over there and pray for somebody and pray that the lord would unite us in a common goal to reach the lost could we do that whatever church you're from i want to pray that your church would have powerful revival and that the love of god would fill your church and If you're a member of Apostolic Tabernacle tonight, I want you to pray that the love of God would permeate our church. Could you do that tonight? Get a hold of somebody and help them feel the love of God. There are hurting hearts here tonight, even in this service. People that need to feel the love of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's it. Just pray for your brother. Pray for your sister. If you can use anything, Lord.
3: Take my hands, Lord, take my feet, touch my heart, Lord, speak through me, if you can use anything, Lord, you can use me, oh, if you can use anything, Lord, you can use me, if you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. take my hands lord take my feet touch my heart lord speak through me if you can use anything lord you can use me come on make this your anthem tonight if you you can can use use anything lord you can use me if you You can can use anything Lord you can use you can use me take my hands Lord take my feet touch my heart Lord speak Speak to me me. if you can use use anything, anything Lord You can use me. I feel an anointing settling on somebody tonight. Could you lift up your hands? God wants to anoint someone in a greater way
2: tonight.
3: I feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost settling on somebody right now. Hey, take my hands, Lord. Take my feet. Touch my heart, Lord. Speak through me. Take can my you? hands, Lord. Take my feet. Touch my heart, Lord. Speak through me. Take my hands, Lord. Take my feet. Touch my heart, Lord. Speak through me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. You can use anything, Lord. You can use me. Take my hands, Lord. Take my feet. Touch my heart, Lord. Speak through me. If you can use anything, Lord.
2: You can use me. One more time. Let's sing that through as we close. If you can use anything, Lord. You
3: can use me. You can use anything, Lord. You can use me. Yeah, yeah. Take my hands, Lord. Take my feet. Touch my heart, Lord. Speak through me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me.
2: I'd like us to pray together. I feel the power of the Lord, and there are many churches and, re- and pastors represented here tonight. And I want us to unify. You know, we're all the church. The church isn't just a building, Apostolic Tabernacle is not the only church in the world. There are precious churches from all over Georgia represented here tonight. I see so many friends of mine that are doing tremendous anointed works for the lord and i want us to pray if you're a pastor if you're a saint of another church and those of you who are members of apostolic tabernacle i want us to pray that revival would sweep through the state of georgia not just at apostolic tabernacle but at every single church every single truth-loving apostolic church i want us to pray that revival would sweep all across this state Can we do that let's pray for one another i'm praying for you brother I'm praying for you, sister, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ.